I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight the Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. Caroline. Caroline. She's the reason for the word digits. Digits. I hope she's been on her way to go try to have everybody, everybody, somebody like that. And try to put her makeup in the mirror. Dig. 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 In the digits. Just playing. Better the first time, but we still try, man. We still gotta crack at that. It's pretty good. I flubbed. I flubbed, but it's, it's fine. We got we got the point across. We got, we got the, the point, point across. across. We got we got the point across. It's okay. You'll know what we're doing. You'll know yeah, what we're you, doing. You, you guys know. You guys know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh man, it, it, it takes time with <sighs> these guys. It ta- we take time with these. No, I don't, I'm joking. We take about five seconds. <laughs> it was about five seconds. Please don't say we took time because then people will judge us. <laughs> no, I, I take, no, I take. I literally hear him up. We 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 link up and then I'm like, oh yeah, I need to think of an intro. <laughs> let me let me spend like two minutes. <laughs> it takes uh, no effort, but it's all good. We get we get these out. <sighs> but anyway, hi Ben, how are you doing? And oh well, how's your week been? And what have you been listening to this week? Um, you know, you know, you know what it's like in ISO, just uh, not seeing anyone, just <laughs> what it is in ISO. complete hermit crab. Uh, Free my boy, really talk about We don't really talk about COVID on here because we don't like to, but um, if you're suffering right now and you're going through it, then yeah, we're thinking of you and I'm really sorry. And hopefully this podcast will take your mind off it for an hour or so uh we don't we don't really like to speak on it because you know everyone's speaking on it all the time so that's why we stick to the music um i'll get into that the music so i started i'll go from uh my favorite to least favorite as usual junie don't stand too close volume one now i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it's going to be pretty close to the top of charlie's list this week um someone in my mentions just snuck this in and she has like 700 followers on Twitter, and I thought it'd be a bust listening to this album. Turns out that the album is unbelievable. It's insane, incredible production values. Uh, Junie is brilliant on the microphone. She really sounds like a veteran. It's I don't I haven't gone back into her catalog and and looked at what else she's done, but man, this sounds like her tenth album, and. It's really not unkind to either Kendrick or Junie to compare this to Good Kid, Mad City. I think she really nailed the aesthetic and her ability is top tier. Mm. Uh, it saddens me that this project will go under the radar for about 99.9% of people because I need, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to blow Charlie up, but there's something coming in the works that I'm really excited to hear about because I want to know some stuff about this because I'm curious because this album's fucking amazing if you haven't well you have probably haven't heard of junie J- uh, j-u-n-double-i go check that out immediately great yep. album you will not be disappointed in that yep. uh second was the new toronto three by tory lanes tory's a really interesting artist i see him as a significantly more psychologically stable version of chris brown at this point he can rap he can sing both very well chris brown there's no 
Well, no, Chris Brown can spit, man. Chris Brown can spit. Don't don't do that. He can rap. He raps, man. He's got it. He he's got a good cadence. Once he's he got right. washed on his own track by Buster Rhymes, it was a rap. But who who's gonna out rap Buster Rhymes, man? Come on. I mean, he shouldn't have put him on the track then. Like, <laughs> why you why are you doing? No, that was, I'll that tell was you a, what. He, that was a that was a sane decision, and he. Yeah. Yeah, but he outwrapped the game on "Fuck Your Feelings." If anyone's not heard that, he actually, uh, and then the game aped his flow. The game always does that. I love the game, but like he'll do first verse right, <laughs> just this weird random normal game flow. Then a, then a guest will come on, and then third verse game just pops up with the guest's flow. And I'm like, you've done this like thirty times, bro. Stop taking people's flows. But it's a fire song. But anyway, um, Tori. Yeah, I think that Tory Lane, the, the, there's no splitting his skill in the two disciplines. And this mm-hmm. is about 50-50 on this project, rapping versus singing, which I really appreciate. When he when he gets in the vibe of a rap verse, man, he just goes off. Like 30-plus bars, he just goes crazy in the booth. And he's not saying anything groundbreaking on this record, but beats are super clean. Sounds very polished and accomplished on the microphone. And in contrast to Chicks Tape 5, which I felt was a little ambitious with regard to women and confidence, which I spoke about on this podcast, his ego has fallen back a little on this. And instead of him sounding like he's trying to prove that he's mega rich and he has a gaggle of women following him around, he actually sounds like he is mega rich and has a gaggle of women following him around. Like he raps on uh, Dope Boy's Diary, Genius got the lyric wrong and I'll explain why. He rapped, um, probably lose my B to an athlete. Fuck it, I'm gonna pull up with another B, mathlete. I was like, that's a bar, man. That's a good bar, mathlete. But genius, genius listed it as mad fleek. It's not mad fleek. Not even logic would rap mad fleek in 2020. It's mad. It's mathlete. Okay, no one's saying the word fleek in 2020, especially not Tory Lanes. But anyway, that was a great project. I really enjoyed it. Um, it looks like it's going to be a bit of a flop commercially. I think it's only going to do 50k first week, which is surprising, especially with his quarantine radio and stuff. But I think it was a good project. Uh, 2k baby pregame rituals, underground release, and I really, you know, I, I do this on the low. I don't ever talk about it, but I judge underground releases a little bit on their features. This has YFN Lucci, Little Dirk, and G Herbo, which means that 2k baby has a lot of trust, capital, and love within the industry. Then I like to judge whether the best songs on the album are the ones with the big name features because a lot of artists will only have one good song on their album and it'll be the Lil Uzi Vert feature. But this record, they aren't. And to me, that proves that 2K Baby is definitely more, the sum, more than the sum of his parts. And the album is really good. It's got Young Boy NBA vibes, a lot of singing slash rapping, a lot of narrative-based bars. The beats slap and really add to the aesthetic and it's a good project. And finally, I'll speak on The Rated Legend by Cadet. Uh, Rest in peace, Cadet. He passed away in a car accident at the age of 28. I think it was last year. I think this might be his first posthumous album as well, and it'll be his last, apparently. I really only want to speak about Gang Gang on this album because that's one of the hardest songs I've heard in my entire life. I haven't heard a hard... I was looking for grime songs that were harder than that. Um, what did I find? I put on uh, on my playlist to like back up after such an insane track. Um, what did I put on after it? Oh, I put on Three Wheels Up with Kano, Wiley, Giggs, 
Good show. But even that, even that, just this is just this song is insane, man. It's really intricate as well, like the way he weaves a narrative around, so that by the end, you realize I'd never seen the video before I listened. You realize he's talking about the police in London, not himself or any specific gang affiliations. That, bro, that song. If you haven't listened to that song yet, cadet gang gang, go listen to that song. Turn it all the way up and go to a boxing ring or something because you're going to want to like bang your head through a brick wall. It's just unbelievable energy. The rest of the album I didn't really enjoy that much, but that song just carries the whole thing. I, I really love that album. So uh, rest in peace to Cadet, and you know I'm glad that we got that, that extra stuff after he passed. Uh, that's what I got into. What about yourself? Um, yeah, so uh, I started off with... Well, actually, I listened to this uh, before recording last episode, but I forgot to put it on my list, so uh, it just uh, fell through the cracks. But uh, I managed to put it on straight after. Uh, Voodoo Black, uh, Seeing at the Table. Um, I gathered this, uh, I think, Shuttle Wordplay, I think they put this on one of their playlists, or just uh, or just made a post about Voodoo Black. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a group from Manchester, um, don't know if I butchered that, but here we go. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it's it it's got bare. I'm get I get bare slum village vibes from this, man. I get really? bare slum village vibes. Yeah, no, nah, it's it's super clean. I love this uh, sitting at the table. Wow, it's great. Um, they have uh, some good features on here as well. Jest and uh, Leaf Dog and uh, Layful Stop, which I need to get into. She sounds fucking fire on this. Um, but yeah, so it's it's really. Really uh, chill beats. Got the conscious, uh, got got some conscious uh, vibes in there, and, and lyrically as well. And uh, you know they they sound they sound northern as well, which I really uh, appreciate. Um, and uh, yeah, they just sound super authentic, and uh, so so really just a really good uh, good UK project. So uh, yeah, shout out to Voodoo Black uh, for sure. Um, shout out to them. Uh, Juni, uh, don't stand too close. Volume Uno. Um, yeah, I feel the same way as uh, Ben. To be honest, uh, I he he put me onto this, and um, you know I'm I'm so fucking glad he did because uh, yeah, man, I I just this uh, while doing some gardening and it was fucking fire. I just like blaring out in the garden, just uh, uh, doing some grass work, and boy, man, it's fire. It's, it's so it's so damn good. Um, oh, I don't know where to begin, but yeah, it's this, the 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 beats are just they just set her up very nicely and she can just go wherever the fuck she wants with it um like uh, i think uh, was well, i think one track all night or something like that uh, uh, i forget i forget the name i should look it up right quick but um yeah so it's, uh, it's 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 super clean it's it's super clean this whole this whole thing and there's like a little uh, you know um you know Kendrick's theory as well obviously that has a bit of a Kendrick uh, uh, leaning to it all real that's the last track yeah that that just sounds so good it's uh, it, she has like she has like a, I think like scissor, but she can also you know just do like she can put like out bar anyone as well. Like she she has the bars as well as the you know as well as the soulful sensual vibe that scissor can do. Um, I think Junie can do that and then some. I'm not saying she's bent the scissor or anything, but yeah, she's she's. She she rem- she reminds me of a lot of artists I really enjoy and I feel I feel like that's just a that's just a dub right there to be honest. Uh, Sharma Noel Eternal Fields Volume Two. Right, so I got into this. Uh, I think someone posted on Instagram. Um, I forgot what page, but um, yeah, he's a dude that uh, via his um I looked up his Spotify like um profile thing. It's like a uh, your favorite your favorite Twitter rapper or favorite rapper on Twitter or something like that. Um, so clearly he's one of those guys that you know um that. 
are native to a certain social media platform and uh, you know if you're in that particular ecosystem then you know who he is um he was i guess i guess collaborators or like really good friends with the dude who unfortunately passed uh, he had the page only hip hop facts um on twitter mm. and uh, he, yeah, he was yeah, good was, about, um, he was good friends about he was good friends with the dude yeah um so uh yeah in, ter- in terms of this uh, particular album uh, it started off pretty one note to me um it was like just talking about like uh, you know that that girl that uh st- you know she keeps fucking why we why do we keep fucking around kind of you know kind of thing it's just like um and stuff like that and also you know uh I'm I'm get I'm getting this and um, nobody's gonna stop me kind of thing and uh, yeah it, it seemed all pretty one note at the start but like once it once it got into it it took took some time took a few tracks but um, yeah there was one there was one track where he basically it was basically dedicated to um, I, d- I don't know his name um, the dude who owned uh, only hip hop facts uh, sorry about that but yeah he did a whole track uh, about him and uh, also had like sound bites of him in an interview about about him you know coming from. Uh, wherever he came from uh, to America, not learn a lick of English, and you know, obviously in this, obviously as we know, one of the biggest uh, hip hop Twitter accounts. Um, so yeah, it was, that, that was very fascinating. Really opened up the album for me. Um, and there was also another track called Sunrise, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, it's um, it's, it's an okay album. Um, if you know who he is, you probably uh, you probably spin it. But um, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was it was interesting. It was interesting, isn't it? Uh, Pip Millet, uh, lost in June. Um, this one I've I've heard of Pip. I've I've listened to Pip Millet before. Um, you know, I, f- I feel like she she's 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 bubbling up. I think in the UK, uh, whatever you want to call it, scene. Um, so like very Georgia Smithy kind of vibes. You know, uh, Leanne Havis kind of vibes. Uh, she has some very good. I think this is a really good album for her in terms of just um, you know, how she introduces herself. Um, to people who haven't like uh, you know peeped her before, um, she has like interludes from uh, her uh, from her mother talking about how she is as a person, and uh, that was actually introduced a lot to it and uh, really gave more depth to the particular album itself. Um, yeah, and all the tracks actually just are really really well really good, <laughs> really well made. I really like them. They're very acousticy, um, you know, just a simple simple instrumentation. Uh, very smooth and uh, yeah, great. Just uh, just some great uh, vocals as well, uh, and great songwriting as well. Actually, uh, that's that's probably my biggest uh, plus of this uh, album. So yeah, shout out to Pit Millet. Uh, Antithesis, Blunt One and A One. Uh, Antithesis spelled um, with spaces. Um, if you just put Antithesis, you ain't gonna find it. So put spaces in between Antithesis, uh, all of the letters, which uh, pisses me off. But there you go. Uh, yeah, Antithesis Volume One Part Three. Um, so they've been doing, they have this, uh, I, f- I forgot where they're from, but they have this, um, obviously, uh, uh, Antithesis project, and uh, they're in part three at the moment, and uh, this one features Blunt One, who's their producer, and A1, shout out to Friend of 5e, A1, um, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's very dark, it's a very dark uh, sounding uh, album, um, A1 uh, comes onto it, and uh, you know, gives uh, great storytelling as he as his, uh, as his wheelhouse, of course. Um, the beats for me, I think, were a bit uh, a bit too static. I would have liked a little bit more variety um, in terms of uh, in terms of how the beats went. It was, it was kind of just like they they very they bled into each other and not in a good way. Um, but uh, you know, overall, so it's a decent listen. Um, it, it, it serves it serves an interesting purpose, and uh, I think lyrical content is uh, the plus for me here in terms of just what's on it. It's like A one just 
he just he, he, he paints a good picture for sure and uh, lastly Cadet uh, Rated Legend um, I will say just straight up I I didn't listen to Cadet before he uh, before he passed and uh, even after to be honest um, apart from a few features here and there uh, but yeah this is this is um, it's, an, it's an okay album as uh, posthumous albums go um, I do feel like uh, we've talked about posthumous albums a lot um, in, the, in the past few in, in past episodes and I feel like another wrinkle I think I should add to this in terms of how posthumous albums should work or how I like posthumous albums to be. I I feel like if you can get as close to the what the album was supposed to be, um, then you will you you can't really as long as you do that, then you know it'll be okay. I feel like for this album, uh, there were a lot of songs scattered where clearly he, um, you know, had the vote had the vocals for it. Um, but then they just threw a feature in there because there was not yeah, much yeah. else, and you know, and they, and obviously they are doing it in the mindset of Cadet is dead, and I feel like <clears throat> I feel like that's uh, to a detriment sometimes because um, they they're just focusing on that, and I feel like if you if there's if there's a if there's a if there's a concept here, then you should stick to it instead of just like talking about how great Cadet was, Cadet was, which is you know in in some sense all great, but. Um, yeah, but in terms of listenability, I think is I think it brings it down a bit in terms of an album's quality. Um, I I do I do rate Gang Gang. I know you were hyped up uh, when you listened to it before I did. Um, I love I loved oh, this is the thing I loved Roly, but that song went on for way too long. Like that 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 hook while that hook slaps, and is a summer banger just waiting to happen. Like the the hook went on like three more times. Like at the end, I was like, "Why is this song still on?" Um, but apart from that, it was a great song. Uh, Give me space with Chip. I really enjoyed that one. That was that was probably my favorite track off the album. Uh, but yeah, R.I.P. Cadet and all that. And uh, with that said, we shall hop straight in to our topic of this episode. So we are doing a three part series. A little mini series on Outcast, and obviously for this uh, particular episode, we're going to focus on Outcast as a whole. And next week, we're going to do Big Boy um, as a solo, and then uh, lastly, we're going to do Andre Three Thousand as a solo artist. Which <laughs> I don't know how that's going to be. Uh, <laughs> that might be uh, one of the shortest episodes, but uh, we will see how that goes. So we'll see what we we'll see what we can get out of it. Uh, but we'll see on that. But for now, we are talking about Outcast, and um, I'm 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 more interested in just how to. How we're go- how we're gonna rank this because I feel like um, ranking Outcast um, in terms of their album uh, bodies of work is so it, it it chops and changes between a lot of people and I find that so fascinating and I think it's testament to how great Outcast is as a duo um, the fact that you can take like uh, all of their albums apart from Idlewild of course uh, we'll get into that uh, later but. Um, for the rest of their albums, you can you can put them anywhere, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be I, I personally I don't know about you guys, but um, I personally wouldn't like I, I wouldn't scr- uh, scrunch my face at it. You know, if you put if you put AT Aliens first, sure I get it. If you put Stankonia first, I get it. If you put Sunplayistic first, I get it. If you put Speakerbox or Love Below or both as number one, I also get it. I don't think people do. Uh, not many people do that. Um, we shall see in terms of how we rank how how us two rank. Uh, but yeah, I find this group so, I said group, this duo so, so fascinating in just a, in just a, in just their musical journey. 
and uh, and obviously everything else as well in terms of just how high quality these guys are as artists is absolutely crazy. It's insane, man. In and their journey is just unbelievable as well. Like very, it's way deep. We say this often is deeper than the music, but the music is amazing and their story is amazing. I'll start, I guess, I'll go back and like give people a little bit of background about them. Uh, Andre and Big Boy both attended the same high school, Tri-Cities, which was actually the high school that TLC went to. And they met one day in Lenox Square Mall in the ATL as 16-year-olds and they struck up a friendship slash little bit of a rivalry. You know what it's like with, you know, young MCs and they're trying to outdo each other. And basically standard procedure back then in legendary hip-hop schools was rapping in the cafeteria and Big Boy and Andre would battle each other during lunchtime. And I'm not entirely sure how Rico Wade came into the picture. Some people say that Organized Noise pursued Outcast, possibly right. because of the TLC high school connection because Organized Noise was working with TLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really sure how that worked, but you know, after school in their teenage years, they'd just take their battle to the studio every day and they would record in the dungeon with Organized Noise. Now, Organized Noise are absolutely legendary, not just for transforming the sound of hip-hop in Atlanta, but just hip-hop in general. Yep. The Prince, the Prince-like qualities that Outkast displayed on, especially ATLians and Stankonia, were made possible through the tutelage they received in the dungeon. Like Sleepy Brown, Rico Wade, Ray Murray, members of Goody Mob, Organized Noise produced every track on Outkast's debut album and then 10 tracks on ATLians. So Organized Noise were absolutely essential in, like, I guess the their progression as musicians and artists. Uh, they fell off a little bit in later years with regards to production. They only had four production credits on Equemini, three on Stankonia, none on Speakerbox Love Below. And notice that those last three albums that I mentioned are all very diverse, but they all adhere to the same sonic ethos. Yeah. You know, and that was instilled upon them in the early sessions. So, we can't ever speak about the progression and the influence of Outkast without speaking on organized noise. They, I mean, people are talking about all these beat battles that are going on at the moment, and organized noise will come in. And there's a difference between a beat battle and a song battle, okay? Like, a lot of these these uh, producers now are having song battles where, like, Swizz will pull up uh, Money Cash Hose by Jay-Z, and it's like the, the DMX on that song is the one that carries it in a in a battle. But if we're talking about just pure beats, no lyrics on top of them, organized noise, man. Like, whoa, what the fuck? They just changed the game like crazy in the early 90s and they never get the respect they deserve in my view. Yeah, and I think that's just the case of... Um, I, think, I think that's the case for most of, uh, you know, Southern hip-hop pre... Uh, where, where should we where should we cut it? Uh, pre Ti, I think, like all throughout that. Uh, what do you want to call it? Like well, Manny Manny Fresh maybe got his props well, a little uh, bit, but like, uh, I, okay, yeah. Well, we're talking about Southern hip hop, so yeah, I, I was I was talking about more Atlanta, I guess. But um, yeah, okay, I guess if, uh, yeah, but um, we're talking about Southern hip hop, so yeah, that's a great shout as well. I guess pre pre Manny Fresh, yeah, I get I, I totally agree with it. Um. Yeah, so let me let me rephrase. A pre Manny Fresh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think most of just like Southern hip hop, like even 
even though we, I think, um, unknowingly sometimes, like, uh, either spin their tunes or, uh, even love their tunes, because obviously, you know, we all, we all have our favourite Outcast tracks and, uh, you know, some people in, uh, love Goody Mob as well and, uh, and, uh, and stuff like that, but, um, there is, again, a level of, I guess, uh, uh, there's a level of non-flower giving here, um, <laughs> of just, like, how much, uh, organised noise, uh, impacted hip-hop as a whole. Um, I think in, if you're in hip, southern hip-hop circles, um, you know who they are, and you'll immediately bow down, you know, you'll bow down, you'll bow to them, you'll, you'll, you'll doff your cap to them, like, big crits of the world will firmly say that organised noise influenced them in some way, like, it's no, there's no, there's no way you came into the southern hip-hop game and didn't listen to anything organised noise, <laughs> it's just impossible, um, yeah. and I think that's something we need to, uh, that we rightly should drive home, uh, before we even get to, you know, the music itself, um, organized noise was a staple and they are a, a fundamental pillar in a, in a, in geographically in a place where hip hop, uh, is overall in its, in its overall history, uh, underappreciated. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, just as a, just as a, um, just as a group, as a production group, they are really fucking up there. <laughs> like, you know, if you want to talk about like places, people like um, you know, them, uh, Bomb Squads. Uh, I'm trying to think of other production groups, but yeah, like them too. I think all rarely get talked about um, as much as they should. Like, uh, uh, I, th- I think it's a bit crazy, but you know, we've we've talked about that in terms of how you know producers aren't respected enough or just given their flowers enough, and obviously these beat bells have been going round have been you know a great confirmation in how bloody good these people are uh, just mm-hmm. fundamentally uh but yeah I, I think in the overall lexicon of conversation hip-hop obviously it's always um it's always less than it should be and uh, it's never enough of course but uh, yeah we, we, we just wanted we just, i think it's just uh worth saying that now and worth putting out on wax the organized noise are just an absolute pillar of southern hip-hop and really change the game yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk about Outcast being influential, then you have to say Organized Noise is influential, uh, equally so. Yeah. Because, you know, Outcast, I'll speak, I will speak on their influence before I get into their debut album, and then we'll go through their albums. But, cool. you know, they they signed their major label deal. Uh, Organized Noise shopped them around. Uh, LaFace and L.A. Reid were the ones that picked them up. And L.A. Reid actually said, in this is in Andre's words, I think I like them, but I don't think they're stars. I don't know, but I'll give them a chance. I'll give them a song. Let's put this one song on a Christmas album compilation. And that song was Player's Ball. Yeah. Right? So the rest is just complete history from there, man. And yeah. The, the, I think there's one legendary story about Outcast that everyone knows, but I don't think many acts, uh, solo or group, would ever have been able to transcend this story. But Outcast were that good that this just became a footnote in their story. Like, this was basically the beginning of their story. Like, 
this was epic, man. Like, 1995 Source Awards, a year after their debut album drops, Outkast are given Best New Rap Group Award at the awards. And now this was akin to committing a grievous sin in hip-hop music at that time because a huge portion of the fan base only recognized East and West Coast. And the awards were in New York. Now... The crowd had already been enraged by Suge Knight, who got up on stage and outwardly mocked Bad Boy and Diddy. Snoop Dogg doubled down on Suge's, Suge's sorry, dismissal. I always, you know, I always used to say Suge when I was young. And I was like, who the fuck is this Suge that everyone's talking about? I never heard of, of a Suge before. Anyway, um, so, so Snoop actually goaded the crowd and threatened them a little bit. This was in the middle of New York City. Snoop just got up there. He's like, you know, got love for Snoop Dogg. And so, she so checked him, man. Up, up come fucking poor little outcasts to receive their award, right? They're not 50 deep like Suge. They haven't got the whole city at their back like Diddy. Southern rappers were always seen as a little bit slow, as a bit of a local entity, as not really part of the greater commercial hip-hop landscape at that stage. Now, Atlanta was blowing up, but it was like the East and West had blinders on and could only see those two coasts. So our cast get booed for winning the Best New Rap Group Award. Yeah, Andre takes it upon himself. I think he was 20 at the time, maybe younger. He speaks on this dismissal, and he says, and I quote, It's like this, though. I'm tired of them closed-minded folks. It's like we got a demo tape, but don't nobody want to hear it. But it's like this. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. That's all they said that night, right? Now, instead of backing down, they stood tall, and then they dragged everyone along behind them. And as I said, this could have become their... This genuinely could have been their defining moment. But it's just a footnote in the legacy they'd leave after this night and their debut album. Because not only did they top that performance... They did it over and over and over again. Every time they released a video or a single or an album, man, they would push the envelope even further. They changed perceptions. They changed the way people thought about hip-hop. And the whole time, it was for the good of Atlanta. You know, it opened that market up to the entire world and allowed everyone from there to flourish. And that's not to say that Atlanta wasn't already experiencing commercial success, but now they became their own musical powerhouse and the style of Atlanta would begin to influence the entire country from slang to the way people dressed. You know, Outkast didn't do it all alone. I'm not saying that. But they certainly helped to facilitate it. And when Andre got up dressed like that at the Source Awards, everyone was wearing like triple XL, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. And Andre gets up and they they they... they you know, actively embrace this alien title. Their name is Outcast. Like the group name is Outcast. They know that they sit outside of the normal sphere in hip hop. And it just meant that hip hop could be anything. You know, you realized back then, like think about it at the time, it was like NWA, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, these were all Tupac, like it was pretty hardcore hip hop and Andre just said, you know, we, you guys can be whatever you want. And that is, in my view, their influence. They just kept pushing the envelope further and further and further. Bravery, man. So much bravery. Like, not just that night, just in their career, but that night really personified their bravery to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, I, I honestly think in hindsight, looking back here now, I really wish that... Um, Southern hip hop artists like just I wish I wish they took that as a real 
mantle and just constantly referenced it. Um, like imagine that now, because obviously, as we've seen in the past ten years, like Atlanta have basically and Southern hip hop in general have basically owned the past what twelve years, <laughs> nearly yeah, uh, ten, twelve years. Yeah. Like it's 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 been crazy, and I feel and obviously. You know, sound-wise, it's not the same as Outkast, but um, you know, it's the same origins. I I kind of I kind of low-key wish that they just removed. like took that particular moment and just made it as big as I think it should have been. Because, uh, like you said, it is a footnote in their career. Um, but I believe it's like a real just. I I think it's a real flashpoint in terms of just how um, Southern hip hop has how far it's come. Like as a as a whole, you know, geographic subgenre. Respect is so much more important than so many other things in life. Like if you gain the respect of someone, you gain their love on a level. And you know, fear is great. You can rule with fear. Fear gives you power, but it's always unsustainable. Like respect is you're always going to respect that moment and the way that they carry themselves, and then. All of a sudden, people are like, you know, wow, okay, so the South do actually have something to say. They're not just, they've won Best New Rap Group, they're selling millions of records, the music's actually good, and all the people who probably like the music on the low, but were like, I don't know if I can like like this in public, you know, and they made fun of that on Equemini with the skits, um like now all of a sudden they're like hang on a sec these guys we can respect these guys these guys are pretty gangster like they came up here completely in foreign territory without a crew behind them and said that like respect is essential and i think you're right i think it should have been maybe made into a bigger moment than it was but i mean it, it it's still going to be legendary like everyone will know that story yeah. i think if you know outcast so yeah. yeah yeah um we can talk about their debut album uh the biggest thing in this album for me was a live instrumentation. I felt like it gave the project just this really grand quality that a lot of hip-hop albums at the time weren't able to manage. And, you know, it was a feature of outcast music their whole career. I think that this album positioned them a lot closer to, say, The Roots than A Tribe Called Quest in that sense because the production was really rich and luscious. It had that mm. performance feel. The album went number 20 on the Billboard 200, which is a really solid debut. It's not really spoken about often as a classic, but the reviews were, you know, overwhelmingly positive. 84 review average. Even the source, obviously they won the the, the award, but the source gave it four and a half mics. You know, that was big back then. You get four and a half mics in the source. Uh, people are going to listen to your music. Mm. Um, I think the issue with that album was... People were happy for groups to experiment and take hip-hop in different directions, but not this far. Like, if you look at the mainstream experimental acts from the time, like The Roots, Tribe Called Quest, Dila, they kept it a lot closer to normal than Outkast. Outkast went way left on this album. The lyrics were really different to Gangsta Rap and G-Funk of this era. Like, Three Stacks rapped on uh, my intro to let you know. He says... See, you can try. If you try, you don't, you don't. If you want to battle, it's either that you will or you won't. See, that rap shit is just like selling smoke. If you got some fire shit, they always going to toke. Dope is not what I be slanging on this track. They don't comprehend that it's deeper than Cadillacs. Like, 
he's basically saying, I don't sell drugs. I sell music. Yeah. And at the time, you know, that wasn't a ma- that wasn't a, that wasn't a cool thing to do, you know. And the problem with this album, I felt for me, this is why it ranks lower for me, is because I didn't think they went far enough into this. I think they tried to straddle the gap between conscious and gangster, and it didn't mesh well. They address it on Aquemini with the skits, but we'll get to that. But yeah, that was my only issue. Like, and I know that it was their debut album, and I know that they had like specific targets to meet and stuff like that so that's probably why they were hamstrung a little bit in that but that was my only criticism of the album i felt like they did try to be gangster a little bit on this and it just didn't come off as uh 100 authentic i think it's interesting that you actually talked about instrumentation i didn't actually ever think of that uh, when i think about this album um i usually think about it from a geographical standpoint it doesn't sound like a sudden hip-hop uh, album to me it sounds more west coast um, I get a lot of West Coast systems uh, when I listen to this, and that's usually the thing I usually uh, uh, come come away from from listening to something playlistic is just how um, y- you can tell the influences they had at that point, and when it comes to later albums of how they, you know, f- consciously try to steer away from anybody else and try to um, create their own kind of. Uh, kind of vibe kind of demeanor and sounding but with that said obviously lyrically and uh obviously in t- especially in terms of delivery of uh, a southern drawl um it's it's in that case obviously very elena and uh i guess there was a lot for, for that for in that time there were a lot of people that probably never heard a you know a black southern dude um just um black two black southern dudes just like you know <laughs> talking about pimping and stuff like that and and Cadillac so it's, it, it, it it must have been kind of a interesting culture shock um uh would have been fascinating to be that to be there at that point but um yeah I, I like this album in terms of just listening to Billy I really enjoy it um I can I can spin it anytime uh I think it's probably probably one of the more accessible uh listens out of the out of the albums uh, of the outcast discography um in terms of obviously just like uh, pushing the boundaries, obviously it doesn't do that much compared to the others. But uh, yeah, I, I really mm. I like this album. I, I enjoy it a lot. I, I think, like I said, I can listen to it anytime. So yeah, I think "Get Up, Get Out" is a top five Outcast song. Like I think that's yeah. an incredible song. With I think the title track. Really. I, I love the title track, man. It's such a bop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like oh, it's just in on. comparison to the rest of their albums. It's like. They've just got such quality, man. Yep. Like, we'll get into AT Aliens. Yep. Uh, obviously, with the success of their debut album, the label gave them more creative control over this project, and it shows. They took it way left now. This was like full outcast. Like, they were aliens on this album. And their confidence really shone through. And there's a bit a bit of background to this album. Um, they went on tour and they made a lot of personal changes. Andre stopped eating meat and smoking marijuana. Big Boy had a child. And they both vowed to learn how to produce. So they bought a bunch of equipment, which was totally foreign to Andre, who had never attempted to produce a song before in his life. Think about that, okay? AT Aliens was the first Andre 3000 production credit he'd never even tried to produce before mm. this album. He was like 21 or something like that. You know, this is a guy who now walks around uh, airports playing the flute. <laughs> like, this is crazy, man. Like, he's just super talented. Um, they have five production credits on AT Aliens. And 
they moved away from sampling. And Big Boy actually said, I feel like you cheat the listener when you sample. If it's an old school jam, then leave it to be old. We want to have our own school of music. And to me, that just exemplifies the next four albums of theirs. Like, it's just entirely theirs. And imagine getting up on stage. At this So this, this, this came after the Source Awards, like directly after. Imagine getting booed on stage and then just saying, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't want to sample anymore either. Like, you've just tripled down on your statement on stage at the Source Awards. I love that so much. Um, the lyrical content on this album was just revolutionary. There is nothing like this in the hip-hop mainstream at the time. You could pitch me Tribe Called Quest and D-La Soul and Farside and Common, Diggable Planets, but I don't think anyone took freeform lyricism to the level that Outkast did on AT Aliens and then obviously beyond. Every single song on that record is a total delight. You, you have no idea where they're going to go lyrically, but you know every time you will not only be entertained, you're probably going to learn something as well. And I think Andre just shone in this realm. His opening bars, this is the thing that always struck me when I was listening to this album. His opening bars were always insane. He On E.T., he says, right now I'm smiling, taking advantage of this moment because there not, might not be another soon. You listen to that, and then you're like, okay, where the hell is he going to go on this verse? You know, that's not a hip-hop, op- there might not be another soon. Like, where's he going to go? And he ends the, the verse, or I think it's halfway through, he said... Can't be scared to spread your wings, head to better things. Maybe the Mockingbird and Nightingale, they want to sing. Like, I just, I'm speechless at this album, you know? And I'm I'm late to Outkast. Like, I was not an Outkast. Like, I, I listened to Speakerbox Love Below when I was younger. Incessantly. I've been listening to it for 17 straight years. But I never really got into Outkast until, like, 2016. Yeah. And I'm listening to their music like, what the fuck is this, man? Like, this is crazy. It still sounds fresh today. And AT Aliens, if you've got this as your number one Outcast album, I can never be mad at you because this is a straight classic album. Yeah. Um, I feel like with this album, um, while, I, while I completely agree with pretty much everything you said, like in terms of it's, uh, you know, just looking back at it in hindsight and it's you know, Legacy as one album, um, you could easily make the case of it being, like, the one of the greatest sophomore albums of any genre. Um, with all that said, I can't personally, um, you know, just repeat listens. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's big gaps between <laughs> between me listening to ATLNs one time and then ATLNs the next time. There's a big gap between them all because uh, I, I I don't know it, it's like it's very because it's so explorative and it this is so packed with so many fucking different elements. Um, it's like gospel in some parts. There's dub, a dub like mm. fucking dub, bro. Uh, uh, psychedelic rock as well. Like there's just so it, it's so out there. That for me, it takes a it takes like a real, um, it takes like a real mood for it takes a really specific mood to me going like let me spin some ATMs right now yeah yeah um and that's and that's not that's, that's not any that's not any shade to the album itself it's just me personally and how I like to listen to music um but yeah I agree with everything you just everything you say to be honest I mean you can hit the nail on the head I think it's just a 
just a, from an exploration perspective, I think it was their most out there. Um, and uh, obviously it paid off um, in terms of how people see it. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, I can't really say much much else. Yeah, it's a great album. Uh, then they get into yep. Aquemini and shit, man. I always, I always thought that Stankonia was my second favorite mm. Outcast album, but going back over these albums the past few weeks, I realized that he's always been Aquemini. And maybe it was the influence of Erica Badu. Maybe, as Big Boy said, it's because they had the budget to basically live in the studio and experiment now. So this yeah, this album is very interesting because it came out of live instrument experimentation, like riffing and jamming, the way old school psychedelic rock albums were born. Like if you listen to, you know, people talk about how Pink Floyd made their music, it was just, it just be in the studio, just riffing. And then songs would come out of that. And Andre began singing heavily on this album and using auto-tune. Uh, musicians started coming through, like George Clinton, Raekwon, CeeLo, Erica Badu, of course. And to me, this album represents the perfect essence of Outkast more than anything they've ever released. It's their pop ability, their genre-defying, basically diversity and athleticism, their conscious and defiant lyrical content, their ability to self-produce. I think every single element is not just present on Equemini, it's like at its peak and bro, I'm going to say this, like this album sounds like a fucking Prince album. You know, the love below doesn't exist without this album. Therefore, 808s might not exist without this album. Drake might not exist without this album. 22 years later, hip-hop might sound a lot different if this album doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's so rooted in hip-hop, just Mm -hmm. history. Like, the art of storytelling is hip-hop to the core. Chonky Fire is an insane beat. And when Eminem spat over it on that Tim Westwood a decade later... He just reminded everyone why this is like one of the greatest hip hop beats of all time. Uh, Spotty Oddie, how do you say that? Dope yeah, delicious. Spotty Oddie, dope. Bro, they Spotty fucking Oddie come up delicious. with some shit, man. That, come on, man. Like, that sounds so legendary. It's so fucking legendary. It's been sampled 17 times. It's like it was on that Beyonce album, and as soon as you hear that at the end, you know exactly what the fuck that is and you're like holy shit that's outcast and ah uh, this is just uh, it's prince but it's hip-hop mm. and i can't really give it much higher praise yeah, than i that. i think this is like um i think i i i i like to put in a sentence i like to say this album is like 80 aliens but just matured like it they just they clearly mm. just saw yeah. Yeah, they, they tightened took everything it up. great with AT Aliens and just like, just, just let, it, just watered it, just watered it, gave it some sunlight, and that shit grew into a fucking tree. Like it was, it was, it slaps from start to finish. Um, art storytelling, one of the best, like just, well, storytelling tracks of, of all time. Like, um, you know, Rosa Parks as a single is crazy. Um, you know, Spotty Yachty, of course. Like, it's just like Aquemini, the actual title track is cr- like from a lyrical perspective. Like, I've seen, I've seen a few videos breaking that video down, uh, that that uh, that 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 song down lyrically, and it just blows my mind. It really does. It's absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, f- I think this is just um, 
I'm, it's, it's one of those rare albums where people got it immediately. Like they just understood. They just like this is this this is a. This, I, I don't I don't say instant classic. This uh, I, I like to take that out of my vocabulary. But I feel like from how people responded to it at the time and how people see it still, um, people just they just it's hard, I think it's hard to make an album that people you know can get immediately but also listen to it several times and gain something new. Uh, I think it's very hard to find that balance, and I think Aquemini is that balance. I, I really think it's just like a... It, it really is a mountaintop peak. Like, um, and, you know, not to say... Uh, well, I guess in terms of, in some way, the quality went down for me, but I don't want to say down in terms of, like, everything else is trash. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, this mm. was so this was so high... It's impossible to get any higher, I think, and that's obviously uh, like I'm kind of giving away my rankings here already. But yeah, I, I is just absolutely like near perfection. In, in there's no such thing in perfection, uh, perfection in my mind. But um, yeah, that's that's so damn close, <laughs> so fucking close. Yeah, I always love the idea of um, you know the perfection is in the imperfection, and I never think. It's it's why I put T Pab above my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, even though I think they're yeah. both tens, is because I just think T Pab just did so much more, and I think they did so much more on Aquemini, and you know they transition into Stankonia, and it's not easy to follow up Aquemini, but the reason I mean Stankonia was always my number two for so many years until I recently went back to it, and I really love it just for the scope, like it was the precursor to one of the greatest albums of all time. And I think it sits in its shadow. It sits in the shadow of both its the albums above it and below it a little bit now. Um, I think they moved to a much more like overt, maximal, grand sound on Stankonia. Nice segue. They actually produced great. fourteen of the seven. Yes, smooth. <laughs> See? smooth as shit. Very smooth. Yeah, eh? smooth. very smooth. Um, I've been listening to Outcast <laughs> all week, so I've got the segues down. <laughs> but. Uh, they produced 14 of the 17 tracks themselves, and considering this is one of the grandest sonic experiences in hip-hop history, this is just five years on from when they began first yeah. began to produce. That's an insane time frame. Think about that, man. Like We think about big, grandiose producers like Just Blaze, and they were learning to produce in their early teens by taking radios apart and putting them back together, or Kanye doing like three beats a day for three summers 10 years before his debut album. And now we have Outkast five years on doing gasoline dreams miss jackson uh bombs over baghdad like that's insanity and i i really i i don't want anyone to criticize this album i think it's a classic i love it uh i think the they use their big platform because they now knew that they had a massive hip-hop platform and think about the albums that were coming out in 1998 uh you had dmx you had jay-z you had you know just it was it was overt commercialism, materialism, and a lot of gangster music. And Outkast continued to take risks like female empowerment, empathy, social consciousness. Like Big Pimpin' had just come out and blown the fuck up, right? And Outkast, not never. Like, and they talked about pimping when they were like, you know, in their early years. But they they didn't. They never followed a trend, and I really respect that. Um, Miss Jackson was like. I mean, that's that's an iconic hip-hop song, and it was blowing up in Australia, and it was one of the only songs, one of the only music videos my parents let us watch when we were, like, 12 <laughs> years old. 
I never fully understood the lyrics at the time, and my experience with hip-hop had been really limited, but it was mainly aggressive stuff from like Eminem and Limp Bizkit that my friend used to send me. Not saying Limp Bizkit is hip-hop, I mean like rap. And um, I was young and white, man. That's just the way it is. You listen to Limp Bizkit when you're young and white. That's how it goes. It's like a rite of passage. But uh, it was past my intellect at that point. It was really past my intellect when I was listening to uh, Miss Jackson and and So Fresh, So Cl- Like, uh, I don't want to criticize this album, but it just didn't feel as great as the, the, the one that came after it and the one that came before it. But I think it's a Stone Cold classic as well. It went number two. It was their third number two. I'll speak on that in a second, but it got blocked by the Dynasty by Jay Z. Now I'm not, I'm a, I'm a Jay Z oh, fanatic, but come on, oh, okay, man. Okay. How the fuck does, how the fuck does, no, but how the fuck does Dynasty beat Stangonia? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I don't know how that happened. I just don't well, know. It doesn't, it doesn't compute in my head. It had like three epic singles. Like how does it even work? Well, that's know. just a, that's just a, in a nutshell, like how, like hard is and i think there's a i think genuinely when thinking about this and the factoid you just gave there is a there was is still is maybe yeah probably still is i guess um but but definitely back then there was a certain level of just geographical privilege um you know the fact that jay-z is from new york says says it all like and uh, you know you just hear jay-z you think new york and you're gonna jam to it you hear outcast and you know you just hear outcast <laughs> even though we obviously link them to southern rap there is so many things going on with this album like there's so many things you got rock you got psychedelic shit you got fucking rave music fam rave music I'm just looking on the Wikipedia. I'm just looking on the Wikipedia right quick in terms of just legacy and that. Um, And there was a there was a quote from fucking like Armin uh, Armin Van Helden, I think. Uh, Like fucking Ray producers talking about it. I think like um, uh, the dude from Rage Against the Machine, De La Rocha. um, He did a remix, and the uh, and it was an alternative remix, and that shit got radio play. Like like that's not that's not southern. You know, that's not just Southern hip-hop. Like, there's a lot of things there. Um, and the fact that it can be done with that kind of stuff, with their music, just says it all. Um, you know, there's plenty of um, Parliament Funkadelic um, vibes when I, when I listen to this as well. Um, obviously, I think, in terms of listenability, this is probably their most listenable. Um, and just uh, and the fact that, obviously, the singles themselves, B.O.B., Miss Jackson, so fresh, so clean. Just those three alone. Like you can play, you can play oh, man, so epic. fresh, so clean that's anywhere, and it will slap. Like I don't care who you are. Um, if you if you're playing so fresh, so clean, you need you you got to. You have to do the so fresh and so clean. You have to do it. You have to do it. Clean, clean, clean. 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 Like, you have to, you have to do it, man. You have to do the chorus at minimum. So yeah, man. This is that. Uh, this album's like. Um, like, I, I agree. I agree with you. I guess in a sense that uh, you know the albums before and after um, have something uh, that connect to me more. But this this album's no slouch. Let's just say that right right here right now. This album's no fucking slouch. All right. Let's just let's just lock that in, lock that in and nip that in the bud. Yeah. So man, so much yeah, heat. I mean, that was actually... so much heat in half an hour. How the fuck are we doing this? Oh, all right, no, come man. on, let's go. These are fucking <laughs> let's keep legendary. Going. This is crazy. Um, all right. So 
We'll get into speaker box love below. Now speaker box. Uh, this <laughs> do 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 ah oh, so classic so classic so this is one of my favorite hip hop albums of all time right this is one of the first hip hop albums first albums mm-hmm. in general that I ever bought with my own money the first Same album I ever bought yeah. with my own money was a Limp Bizkit album what is wrong, what is wrong with me <laughs> fucking Limp Bizkit man but um this is one of the this is one of the first pieces of like physical art that I actually craved and I have it on vinyl now which is a beautiful package and I'll speak on that background to this album. Now, Andre wanted to become an actor, and that dream didn't really bear fruit at any point. You know, he played Jimi Hendrix in that biopic in 2013, but he didn't pick up a huge amount of credits in 2003. Uh, he played in Four Brothers in 2005. This was after the album. Fucking but love that film. So good. Great movie. That's a great didn't movie. Didn't he have his own, uh, own cartoon? Uh, Mark Wahlberg. He yeah. did have his own cartoon. Uh, fuck, what was it called? We'll talk about it on the on the um, the Andre yeah, episode. Yeah, good show. But uh, so he had a huge desire to do a solo album, and he told OK Player that he was actually taking a really long time to do the album, and the label decided it was a really bad idea to do that. So they threw Big Boy in the studio, and he finished Speaker Box. You know, around the same time Love Below finished, just kind of threw it together. Now, the Love Below was a very solo affair. Andre did it at his own home. Uh, he told XXL that he preferred to work alone during that process. He began recording without telling Big Boy he was even working on an album. So, you know, Big Boy went to work on Speaker Box, and apparently he had a, a couple of songs already, ready to go. But they both took completely different approaches. Like, Big Boy wanted to take it right back to his true yeah. hip-hop roots. Andre, we know what Andre did. And it was designed to be a soundtrack, the way Idlewild would become. But they scrapped that idea. And they basically scrapped any idea of cohesion between the two projects. Like, Andre raps on The Love Below, but only 42.2% is rap. Eight of the songs have no rap whatsoever. What? Big Boy is completely different, man. He had bars, insane beats. Like, the bass on The Way You Move could just blow up speaker <laughs> systems. Bro- fucking insane, man. And it became the most successful album in hip-hop history at the time. Certified Diamond, I think it's still the highest selling hip hop album of all time, has a 91 on Metacritic, which is in the top 10 highest reviewed hip hop projects on that website. Two number one singles, uh, it became their first number one on the Billboard 200. It was the last <laughs> hip hop album to win Best Album of the Year yeah. at the Grammys. So that was well, one of two in it now. So yeah. S- what? S- yeah, one of two, even though you can't really say Lauren's album is super hip hop. Like it yeah, is yeah, hip hop, yeah. but you know, yeah. it's half and half. Digress. Um, it's an album that I listened to my entire entire teenage and adult life. It is soundtrack so many situations. I adore this album. I asked my followers a while back which they thought was better because I always assumed that people thought The Love Below was better. Like, that was just my assumption. I thought, oh, everyone knows The Love Below is better, but Speaker Box is great, and together it's a classic. But it was completely split down the middle. I offered three choices... I offered Speaker Box, Love Below, and then the third choice was um, Both Are Equal. And all of them had pretty much the exact same votes. We had like 20,000 votes, and they were just basically the same. So people, you know, it's they're completely different albums. But I just, I can't, I, man, this album is fucking, these are insane. Like, 
big boy on speaker box. Like I've come to really appreciate that later in my life. I, I read a Pitchfork review when it first came out, and it said something like, "Oh, big boy is finally starting to rap well," and I was like, "What? That is the such fuck a Pitchfork quote." <laughs> totally, it's that is such so a Pitchfork thing to oh say. Oh, like days. big boy's big boy starting to come into his own as a rapper, bro. They're fucking four albums in, that four classic egregious. albums in. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah a speaker speaker box Fuck is just me. insane man the beats on that are fucking <sighs> unbelievable we, we didn't even talk about the video oh shit like hey yeah. uh the way um, you moved the the, the artwork for yeah. speaker box uh prototype like rose this like even the album cuts off the love below like happy valentine's day or uh vibrate vibrate is a wonderful song like it's so underrated like this album, this is my favorite Outcast album ever. It's probably in my top three hip hop wow. albums ever. <laughs> brilliant, fucking brilliant. There's nothing. It's just fucking amazing. Like I will never stop listening to this album until I die. Never. I know that because I've listened. I must listen to it back to front five hundred a thousand times. I will never stop listening to this album. Total classic to me. G- give me that um give me that Andre uh give me give me that uh, Love Below uh rapping uh right quick because I that, that really confused me. Forty two point two percent of his of the yeah. Love Below is rap and eight of the songs don't have any <laughs> rap at all. How do you have forty two percent but then like majority of the tracks don't have fucking rap in it? That's a silly number man. No, that is actually well, crazy. It's a pretty long is it pretty long? I mean, How yes. Many tracks are on uh, um, Love Below. Like, uh, I, I, I've got. It's got twenty-one yeah, songs. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, uh, yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, it just, just, it was just off the head. It was just like it sounded. It didn't mix in my brain properly. But yeah, no, nah, that makes sense. Considering the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, this is what I'll say. Um, pretty simply. Uh, I feel from intro to church. What has how many how how many long is that? Uh, one oh, shit! I nearly played the damn. One, nearly two, nearly three, played four, the damn five, track. Six, seven, <laughs> From one, eight. two, three, four, five, eight six, tracks. seven, eight, nine. How good's the intro? By them way. nine tracks. I know we don't. I know people don't do like what's the uh, people rarely do like what's the best name one name name a number track uh, stretch. If there is such thing as a nine track stretch. This is the best nine track stretch I've ever. Uh, nine ever. track. Like, I I I can nine I can listen stretch. to these nine tracks, mate. If this was an EP, this would be my favorite EP of all time. But I could go after. But after, oh, still oh, I know, great. I know, like Tim with a boom with Ludacris. Yep. Ludacris, yeah, keep a Glock in case you like to leak a lot. Turning the volume knob up on my speaker box. <laughs> There he is. Get the fuck on the ground. It's just a phrase you might hear coming through the A town. Like, come I'm on. Not, I'm not saying. I'm not saying the rest ain't. I'm not rock. saying the rest slaps. I'm just saying, like, for me, like, from when, from what I remember, because same as in a similar vein to you, like, this was one of the one of the first like hip hop albums I ever heard. Like, it was like this, get rich or die trying. Um, it, it was probably like one of those two, and. Boy in the Corner. Like, that was probably like the three foot first albums I listened oh, to yeah. ever. Um, and had on regular rotation. That's like constantly spend on the CD player. That's a classic star. Um, Speaker Box for me, like, is just one of my favourite albums. Like, and like I said, with that, those stre- stretches, I can jam to those songs in every 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 time. 
Like, going music, fast-paced, just fucking in-your-face slaps. Unhappy slaps. Bowtie, funky as shit. Way you move is a fucking... uh, You can do that anywhere. You can do that any event. Any event, it is a house party, on that, uh, wedding reception, verse. it doesn't it's matter. Crazy. It doesn't matter. If you're trying to be happy, you're playing the way you move. Rooster, absolutely great. Bust, oh my days, that's so fucking grimy. That killer mic feature is grimy. Absolutely, absolutely mad. War, crazy, super dark. Church, super fire. Oh my god, I, I just... Just those, just those alone. If that was an EP, that'd be one of my favorite EPs of all time. But yeah, uh, the whole album itself is great. Love Below. While I do prefer Speaker Box by a Country Mile, I do respect Love Below for what it is, and uh, especially in terms of influence, in terms of how like um, the music that is coming out now. Man, some of this shit is sounding a lot like Love Below. Just saying, like there's a lot of Love Belowisms in these albums that you guys are listening to. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's the 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 while speaker box is probably is what I say while speaker box is the, is my f- uh, my favorite album of the two love below is definitely uh the more impactful in terms of uh, the future um and i guess influential is the word for it as well um so yeah it's yeah as, as, and as a double album i mean that's i mean name a better double album <laughs> like like name a, name an album that goes on for 2 hours and you know, and is and is just and it's just a and oh, it's just a no skip fest. No <laughs> it's crazy, absolutely crazy. How is it no skips on a two hour? Uh, yeah, hours? No, exactly. Like how how can you not skip? Like how how does that even how is that even possible? It, 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 it it's done. It can be done. It can be done. Like it it really can. It's, it's crazy. Shout out to these fucking albums, bro. Oh my god, bro. This album. I know we're low key finishing on a great. you know bit this... um, bit of a bum no with idle wild and we'll might as well get to that but uh, what are your thoughts towards it because um i want to i want to say this before i get into what i'm talking about I'll, I'll just say this and i'll let you go first but i just wanted to preface this with i listened to idle wild for the first time eight hours ago yeah i mean i i listened to it when it came out i listened to it again just then like like last week and I don't really know what happened here. I th- what well, I think I want to try and work out what happened here because it's a companion album to their yeah. musical film. Now the musical film is something they'd always wanted to do. They wanted to do it since you know the mid '90s, and it had a budget of ten million. That's the film, that's, that's which they managed to recoup. It, yeah, that's wild. But I mean, they just dropped one of the great, like one of the most impactful albums and successful commercially. And it recouped. It made twelve point five at the box office, which is pretty crazy when you yeah. think about it. Um, I haven't seen the film. Neither have I. I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen the film. Um, <sighs> I think their creative distance meant that this was never gonna work. Like, I think the problem was that they both wanted to go in different directions, and Andre three thousand has said that about you know around the time, and I think. They what what I actually think happened was they did the solo albums separately and brought them together for Speakerbox Love Below. It was great, and I think that they probably thought we're going to take ten years off now and not do anything like before the album was released or just as it was being released. It's like okay, this is probably the end of Outcast for a while. We're in completely different directions. There's no real cohesion between us. We're going to take mm. some time off, but it blew the fuck up, 
And then they finally got their dream, which was to make the musical film. The film. Like, I really think that they they really, it was a huge part of what they wanted to do. And they thought, all right, now we have just a blank check to write. We can do whatever we want. Let's do it. You know, we've always wanted to do this. And they forced it. And it didn't work, you know. And it was just their spirit or their energy. It just wasn't there on this album. And they experimented, you know, they did... It was basically Outcast by Numbers. And, I mean, little when Little Wayne outrapped Andre 3000 on Hollywood Divorce, that was when I knew that this album was not going to be very special because I was listening to it and I'm like, Little Wayne sounds hungry, energetic. He has fire, you know? It sounds like old Outcast. Or, and I was just like, okay, so they're not really, their hearts aren't really in it. And obviously they broke up after this and they didn't get back together until 2014. And... That was only for six months, and that's it. And I think that was the problem with this album. They just they weren't in the right creative headspace, and they forced it, and it didn't it didn't work. While I while I I want I want to say like while this album is you know obviously not the uh, not not the best album ever, um, I am a bit annoyed that I didn't listen to it until now, because um, you know. How I how I do things these days is like if a if there's an album from back in the day that's worth listening, uh, and someone told me that you know you should listen to it or don't listen to it, I'll take their word for it if I you know respect their opinion on it. Nobody told me to listen to this or uh, well I guess not listen to this explicitly, but nobody talks about this album, um, and you know while I. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Then you know, obviously, it didn't really work as an album. Um, it's just very disjointed. Uh, I'm not gonna say this ain't worth a listen. Like, there's some good, there's some good stuff on here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a let me let me get it up right quick because there's, there's a couple of tracks. I, there's a couple of tracks I didn't mind. Like, Mighty O's a good start to be honest in terms of how my, uh, albums go. Um, Morris Brown, the train's good, you know. Uh, I think Janelle Monae on here is killer. She 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 is clean on this. Always. Um and <laughs> always. And uh, when I look in your eyes, like I, I heard that, I've heard that song. I heard that song before, and it was on an advert, and I was like, and then I heard it today, and I was like, fuck, I didn't realize. <laughs> I thought I thought that was just an advert song that somebody made, but bro, that was actually an Andre track. I didn't even clock. I did not even clock. It doesn't sound like Andre uh, at some at some points. Like uh, you know, just he, he sounds like someone different. And uh, you know, in that case, it was kind of refreshing. Uh, but yeah, it's an overall album. Uh, you know, it, it's very disjointed. Um, I I did not understand the last track, a bad note, which is like eight minutes long, and I was like walking the dog while doing it, and I was like, why the fuck is this song still on? <laughs> it's just, it's just, it was just confusing <laughs> to me. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, well, we shall move swiftly into ranking, um, and uh, I think we can both agree that Idlewild is at our bottom of our list. But uh, yeah, uh, go yes. go go where you like uh, in terms of uh, if you want to go from start to bottom to top or top to bottom i'll go bottom to top um the debut album is the second okay. bottom for me uh just because i just it's a great album don't get me wrong but what comes after it is just heat <laughs> that you can't compete with that you know like if you've got a nine out of ten and then you've got like three 
tens out of tens you've that's where it comes you know like it's just um then i've got uh at aliens again you know it's not a slight on Mm. at aliens i think it's a a wonderful album i think it's a necessary album well brother six slots and they have to go somewhere (laughs) they can't all be one (laughs) it's got to go it's got to go somewhere um stankonia then comes next uh again i used to think it was my number two always but going back over at quemini i it's a it's a moment in my life stankonia and when i listened back to it i found myself skipping the singles i'm not gonna lie i found myself skipping over uh miss jackson and bombs over baghdad because i've just listened to them so many times and they don't sit in like it's just it's so big it's such a big out it's massive i mean they're in front of the american flag on the on the on the album art and that's what it feels like it's like huge Mm. huge thing and you know the way you said i think with at aliens about how you have to be in the mood or the vibe i gotta be in the mood or the vibe for stankonia and i'm not often in that i would listen to songs individually off that album more than i would listen to the album back to front but gasoline dreams is a great second imagine starting your album with gasoline dreams Ah, that's crazy uh equemini then comes second just because i just think it's fucking amazing i just going back over it and realizing what they'd achieved by their third album and and the direction that Mm. they'd gone in and how they had just boiled down but still made it experimental and it was tight but experimental like it's just it's a it's a fucking unbelievable Mm. piece of music and the only way i think it can be beaten is by not even trying to beat it. And I think they did that with Speaker Box Love Below. I think they just went yep. in different directions and they just said, man, we're just going to do whatever the fuck we want now. We've achieved so much already. We're not going to try and make a radio song. We're not going to try and uh, put together, like, we're not going to go back and forth. Like, it, to me, Speaker Box Love Below just feels so authentic. And I'm not saying Equemini is not authentic at all, not even slightly. I'm just saying, like, these are two fucking geniuses, genuine geniuses, and giving them absolute free reign, free budget, free amount of time to just create whatever the fuck they want. They don't have to create it together, and that is a shackle. You know, it it, it can be, uh, it can create amazing things when you come together, but when you're a genius in your own right, and we'll talk about them on their individual episodes. Like, if you just give your genius free reign to do whatever it wants. All of a sudden, like, you create something insane. And I think that's what happened with Speakerbox Love Below. I just think they were both given the opportunity to do whatever they wanted, and it created the greatest thing that they could have created. And that's my ranking. I want to test you because um, I want to just, uh, I just want to, because I found it fascinating that you put the both albums together. If you split them, where you put in Speakerbox mm. and where you put in the Love Below? That's difficult, man. is this speaker box still number one for you that's the question isn't it like you're gonna have to bump it down equemini goes number one or are you equemini goes number one in that circumstance okay um yeah this is this is the thing like this is weird (laughs) this this, i've never heard that question asked before that's very unique question never i was gonna i was gonna do that regardless but okay (laughs) but i'm thinking they might even go down further because I prefer mm. them together than as solo acts. And whilst they're both great albums, if they're not together, <laughs> then 
They come below. I you're having a malfunction over this. This is funny. They come below. <laughs> they have to come below AT aliens somehow. Wow, what, both of them. Yeah. Wow. That's I know, fascinating. I don't know why, but that's just my gut feeling is immediately to put them wow. below those three albums because those three albums are outcasts. It's because it's like it's it's because it's like having it's because it's like having a meal and then taking a certain part of the meal out. You know what I mean? And then it's just like if if you like fish and chips, like you want the fish and chips, but do you want just fish? No, you you want chips with chips. it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get I get what you mean. That's that's fascinating. That is fascinating. Mm, that's, that's a great fucking question. Well yeah, said. Man. Fuck. Okay, I had right, no well, idea. Well, I was going to do that regardless. Um, I was actually going to split them up regardless. So, um, Outer Wild, of course, bottom. Um, uh, as in terms of splitting, I'm putting Love Below straight after that. Okay. And then we get interesting. Um, then I'm going to... Oh, fucking hell, that sounds blasphemous, isn't it? Then I'm putting AT aliens. <laughs> oh my days, it sounds blasphemous, but like, it can't help it. But it is what it is. But, um, then, then I'm throwing Southern Playlistic there. Damn, I usually put it higher. I just love this. I love the interludes on uh, Southern Playlistic, by the way. Like, they're so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what's, the, what's the one? I think it's like someone in a club or something like that. Um, Maybe Flim Flam. I think that's the one I'm laughing at. But or Club Donkey Ass House. Yeah, that's the funny one. Anyway, um, then Speaker Box. Ah, uh, then then Stankonia, and then uh, Quamina. What yeah, about? I think that's how it goes. What about if Love Below Speaker Box put, are together? Where did they put go? them together? Um, <sighs> if I put them together. Oh, fuck me, man. Because <laughs> I put speaker... Bo- I rate speaker... Because bo- uh, uh, Love Below is like... Together. It's, together uh, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not... It's not it, it brings it down for me. <sighs> together, it's like... Not to sound shady, but it brings it down for me. You know what I mean? Like, But then speaker box brings it up for me. And I'm just like, I can't... I can't put it like below 80 aliens. Am I, I can't put it above 80 aliens. I'm, that's just, that sounds blasphemous, but how does that, that sound blasphemous? I got it number one. That might have to be it, you know, that might have to be it. Well, yeah, considering you put it on number fucking one, so it doesn't matter. There's no skin off your nose, is it? No. Cause like people, people rate 80 aliens like mad high and I'm just like, I get it, but it's not my, like I said, but anyway, well, I've already talked about it, but anyway, yeah, probably if I'm putting them together, uh, they'll probably go f- fourth, fuck. fourth, Fourth, Jesus. yeah, oh. bro, it's such a struggle. Like I could, if we, if we, if I listen to all of these again, my list would fucking switch. Trust me, bro. <laughs> like if I listen to this weekly, like all six albums, well, all five albums, I'll be just like, yeah, let me put this up top again. <laughs> It'd be crazy, but yeah, speaker box is probably four. Then Southern Playlist Dick. Oh, that's oh, that sounds tough. I need to chop and change them too. Like, but then Stankoni and Equimini, I think, are my firm too. Um, but yeah, third and fourth is a toss-up between some playlists and speaker box love below. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of my Jesus Christ. That that stressed me out. <laughs> that stressed. You stressed the fuck out of me when you split them. <laughs> I know, bro. I didn't realize you. I'm surprised like, you've never been asked that before. Never I've, I've always that. had that thought. I've what always had that? that thought. I've always wanted to ask someone like, well, because everyone puts them together. I'm like, well, what if you split them up? How are you feeling about that? Ah, oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> Proper malfunction. That's crazy. <laughs> That was, um, that was crazy. 
Alright, so let's just jump into like know if you have one. I don't know if you have one. Ah, uh, do you, you have to talk one? about if we have no, one? I might or not? be able to think of one while you're talking. Um I don't really I don't really. Um I was uh, looking uh, I was looking recently in terms of just like uh, uh I know we don't talk about uh, corona stuff, but shout out to Rihanna man, she's putting in fucking work, like in terms of just trying to do her bit. Like she's doing her she's doing bits right now. It's actually crazy. Like salute to her, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one of these people that like to put celebrities on a pedestal, you know, for just doing what they, in some way, should do, depending on who you are and who what your morals about, and how you rate celebrities and how you, you know, uh, put them in society. But um, you know, she's she she's doing she's doing bits right now. She's doing better than some governments, and you know. Considering if you're doing better than some governments, I think you deserve some sort of a praise. So, uh, yeah, shout, shout out to Rihanna. I saw an article recently. It was like, um, I think she put a quote saying like, you know, obviously I'm not putting out music because like I'm I'm busy trying to do this. And I'm like, yeah, damn fucking right. I, I, but I do wonder what her mentions are like. Are they still talking about like, you know, oh, when's the music dropping? Are they still talking about that? Because I, I just wonder. I, I don't want to look. <laughs> to be honest, because um, I'm afraid to what I see. Uh, but yeah, I, f- I find that just uh, it's, it's, yeah, just salute Rihanna. Salute to Rihanna. Oh, shout out Rihanna. But I, yeah. well, I mean, we Rihanna's on a pedestal. She was born on a pedestal. We don't have to put her there. She's just a fucking queen. She's the greatest man. Like fucking love Rihanna. So shout out big to her. Facts, big facts. Um, I speak a little bit about Ozark because. Everyone's been t- everyone's been talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw your tweet. <laughs> everyone's been talking about Ozark, right? And oh, uh, I'm surprised people didn't get triggered. You know, people did a little bit, but not a huge amount. Luckily, it was on the second account, so it doesn't have much uh, cut through at the moment. But it might have been a really hot take. I like to do this thing at night where I um, just before I go, it's like roulette. Just before I go to bed on Hip Hop Numbers 2, I just post like some stupid hot take, like a crazy hot take, and then I wake up in the morning and see what happened overnight. Uh, I did the Nicki Minaj one just before I went to bed. Let me find that. Nicki Minaj used to be one of my favorite rappers. I played her first two albums over and over. Haven't got back to the Pink Print or Queen, not once. And I don't know if it's the music or off-mic persona. Either way, I feel Nicki's done commercially, and I went to bed. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> That's savage. <laughs> That's that tells you how much fucking medication I'm on. That I was able to go to bed after te- tweeting that. <laughs> what a glorious level of just like. <laughs> yep. this, this is not going to backfire at all. Let me yeah, go. It's bed. like starting a fire and just waking uh, up the next morning and seeing how many houses. What, what it's blissful out. ignorance that is. But so, <laughs> so I t- blissful. I tweeted Ozark is so similar to Breaking Bad. It just it really does surprise me. More people don't talk about that fact. Now everyone's talking about Ozark. Mm. I hear it all the time. Everyone's like Ozark, Ozark. Uh, shout yeah, out Winnie who that. put me onto Ozark ages ago when it first came out, and she was just like, "Oh, I started watching Ozark. You know, it's it's pretty good. The first season is really good." And it's, um, so I finally got around to it, and um, after I'd watched the fucking Tiger King thing, that was fucked. I don't watch that, it's fucking stupid, man, the Tiger King thing. It's just <laughs> narcissists playing narcissistic games, and then they end up in prison. It's just stupid. But anyway, Ozark is Breaking Bad, okay? I don't give a fuck what anyone says from the... from. Everything about it, the way, like, it's just the only difference is obviously he. I, I don't want to spoil this for anyone, but his family are involved. Like they're on his, they know everything he's doing, and they help him. 
That's the I difference. I mean, it gets to that point in Breaking Bad, so, like, you know... Yes. Skyler gets and, in it at and, some and point, so, yeah. The problem yeah, is, the problem is, is even that is the exact same because he recognised that he couldn't keep his family out of it, okay? he mm. and, and just down to the, the theme of I'm um, halfway through season two and, like, all these people are dying, right? And not because he's killed them, but because of his actions. And that's the exact same as Breaking Bad. And, you know, he's just this regular guy, and he's doing this crazy shit. The same as Breaking Bad. They even had a whole episode where they went back in time. The same as Breaking Bad. Like, they even start episodes the same way Breaking Bad used to. You know where they did that, like... Oh, um, that's biting. Yeah, you know where they do that thing that really... I don't know how to describe it, but it's like uh, like a snapshot. Yeah, like preemptive... Yeah. yeah, Like preemptive uh, flashbacks, I like to call them. Yeah. I mean, they don't do it every week. That's biting, They don't do it every week, but like, it's like... uh, And I I just... I cannot shake the feeling that this is just Breaking Bad, but it's been, what, 12 years, so they're like... Oh, like 10 years, so like, okay, now we can do it again. It's like it's like me with Game of Thrones, right? I'm rewatching Game of Thrones now because it's been a year and I can watch it again without like remembering everything. So I'm like, okay, now it's time to watch it again. It feels like that yeah. with Ozark. It's like, okay, now we can do it again because people have forgotten about Breaking Bad. And yeah. you know, it was pre streaming. So they, mm. I I still like the show a lot and I'm really engaged in it and I'm watching it. Um and I actually think and we've spoken about this before, about how I don't like Breaking Bad very much. I think this is better yeah. than Breaking Bad. I think it's done. Okay. I think it's done better than Breaking Bad. The acting is so much better. Uh, yeah, is Jason Bateman good? Like, yeah, he's. Great. I feel like obviously he has. He's had a more comedic, um, you know, adjacent uh, kind of career so far. So, and obviously this is like his first proper serious one. Well, that I know of. Like, how how is he on that? Because uh, it, it just looks weird seeing Jason Bateman be serious. You know. Yeah, his um his acting is fucking stellar like i really love it he is understated but then when he needs to he shows emotion when he you know he's very calm and in control he really inhabits that character really well and and propels Mm. it as like a you know it's completely not completely different but um i can see him going down the exact same path as walter white where he just becomes one of the most dangerous people. Like he's starting to manipulate everyone around him into doing exactly what he wants to do. He made the decision to do what he does. And now mm. he's got everyone around him doing what he wants to do. I don't think it's going to get to the point where Walter White went fucking, he became, he was one of the best written characters in, in TV history. In my view, Walter White, the way he yeah, descended yeah. into complete psychopath. This is a guy who killed yeah. fucking policemen and shit. And, I don't think Jason Bateman's character is going to go down that path that far, but um, I actually think this is a better better series than uh, Breaking Bad. So if you haven't checked it out and you ha- you don't really like Breaking Bad, put it on because <laughs> it's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. Like it's better than anything else that's on at the moment. Like it's fucking rough, man. In isolation, like what do you do? Like you just watch uh, TV. Don't give you that. I hate, I, I had this conversation with my mum. Like I, I was just like, if if you if you ever say. In the it, I don't care where you are. If you have like a streaming service or like a uh, a TV box or, or something like adjacent to those things, and you say there's nothing on, I'm gonna slap you. Like I, I fucking hate when people say that. It's like saying it's like saying there's no music. Like oh, there's no music to listen to. Fucking look, like yeah. just just look, just 
look like there's fucking tons there you know what i mean i hate when people say that kind of stuff like there's no there's no this there's no that it's like oh, why are you so fucking lazy so yeah uh, don't, i know you were close you were close to saying that so don't fucking say that but um yeah no, it's just, just that irritates me to shit but um yeah, I found that um, you know, I, f- I found that the the callbacks that Breaking Bad had because obviously in the last season, the the most prominent one was where he put the machine gun in the back, and that was that was like oh. episode one, and that shit didn't turn up until like ep- like obviously the last episode, and uh, it takes a lot of concentration to realize, oh yeah, that that was there before, mm. um, but I think that was like the only unique thing of Breaking Bad, um, and the rest. Obviously, in Ozark's case of how you're describing it, can be you know, um, I, I find that biting. Like if you're doing that preemptive flashback stuff, like to obviously yeah, f- to that. call back on later, I find that total biting of Breaking Bad. I find that a very unique aspect of Breaking Bad. Um, but the rest of it, I feel like, can be switched up in the same way that like you know, Game of Thrones is, you know. Uh, you know, it can be Link. You know, you can, you can see it in the same vein as like Lord of the Rings and you know Vikings and all that kind of stuff. You know, all these um, you know, well, well Vikings obviously more period drama and now the other was more uh, fantasy. But yeah, you get what I mean. Um, th- those those can be um, you know, switched up in 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 creative ways. But if you're if you're taking that preemptive uh, flashback stuff, you're that's straight up buying. That's straight up buying. <laughs> that's game taking Chris Brown's flow apparently. <laughs> Yeah, he did That's do that. Level. Game does that all the time, but but um, crazy. No, like I think, and it's just the aesthetic as well. If you watch it, it's just the the lighting, um, the way that, that the scenes are shot. You know, the reason I actually said that there's not much on is because, and and I agree with you when it comes to music, but I think we get so upset because people are just superficial listeners. Like I'm a superficial TV watcher. I'm not. Uh, right, okay. I'm not deep into the techniques or the writing or anything like that. I'm literally just. If you entertain me, that's <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not entertaining me, nah, I'm out. So with music, I'm completely different to that. I obviously listen to fucking everything. I listen to like 30 new projects a week now because of the hip hop numbers playlist. Shout that out. It's got 300 followers. Um, so I listen to 30 new projects a week, and I'm trying to find stuff in there. But I'm not going to go watch every TV show, you know. If if I'm not fucking with it, I'm going to stop watching it really quickly. So that's probably why I say there's not much on. I've watched every Will Ferrell movie now like four times since <laughs> quarantine started. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing on. Why is there no more Will Ferrell movies? Like that's my <laughs> level of engagement in, in TV. But um, I mean, it's not a bad show. If you want to go watch it, go watch it, whatever. But um, yeah. It's better than Breaking Bad. I'll put it that way. I I can get flame. I'd do that tonight. Breaking Bad was a shit show. I need to think of a I need to think of like a random, off the ledge precipice. That's such a hot tweet. take way of wording it. It's not shit. <laughs> it was Don't hot take it. <laughs> oh, it was boring, man. I forced myself. I know. I know. It's incredibly out. mid. It is incredibly mid to me. Like I, I find it overrated. I know uh, you can say overrated. I've, I've put overrated because it's definitely overrated. It's one not thing, bad. It's just overrated. One thing I want to say on that note. Because I've been analyzing Dam for the third anniversary. Ah, uh, don't. We need to end the podcast. Don't do this. <laughs> oh, don't do it. I'm not gonna do it. But I will tell everyone who's listening to the podcast right now. Um, it's probably the day that the podcast drops, or the day before. I'm gonna post up. I've I've found a whole other angle to this shit, man. And it's still 
the same angle that people have been talking about, the wickedness, the wickedness versus weakness, but I found a whole new way to analyze it, and it's fucking sick. There's a reason why that shit won the Pulitzer. You read it, it's a, it's a, it's a non-fiction piece of reading. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's really cool, and I'm working really hard on this Instagram post, and um, yeah, man. I'm not yeah. going to get into I really what do I look forward to that, to be tweeted honest. Charlie, uh, texted yeah. Charlie, because Charlie's head will explode. So um, yeah, don't, don't, just leave it don't, at that. We'll be here for another fight. We'll be here for another 10 minutes. All right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Digging the Digits. Hope you've joined this episode. Part one of our Outcast miniseries is Dunsky. Part two and three coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I've been Charlie Taylor of The Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. In the circumstances, <laughs> we should always try and do the same. Stay safe. But until the next time, stay safe. Take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show is Peace from Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Hop Records for your bit to use. Social for the Fifth Element, Hip Hop Fire Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Hop Records will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop Fire Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, which I'll see you next time on Digging in the Digits. Digging in the Digits.